So how you doing? I want to welcome everyone at Church of the Savior. If you're watching online, wherever you're watching, thank you for tuning in uh, online as well. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter and Grace Marriage. So grateful to be here on this Sunday morning. Thursday afternoon, Pastor Steve gave me a phone call and let me know that uh, Sue uh, had successful hip replacement surgery. She's resting well, but yeah. And I yelled at him, told him, stay home. I think he's roaming around today somewhere, but uh, uh, he just needed to take care of her, and uh, he'll be ba- he should be back next week as, as well, but uh, he said, can you fill in? I said, sure. And so I want to continue a talk that I did a couple weeks ago on the battle over our identity in Christ. It reminded me of, of a story I heard about this lady that uh, got a new job, and on for this new job, she had to walk by this pet store, and a parrot saw her and yelled at her and said, looked at the lady and said, you're ugly. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, right? She thought about this parrot the whole day. Couldn't get this parrot out of her head. Second day, walks by the pet store, and the parrot sees her and says, hey, lady. She said, what? You're ugly. Oh, she, and the lady is furious. Goes to the owner, yells at the owner, threatens to sue him. After a while, the owner calms her down and says, Ma'am, you will never hear those words from that parrot ever again. You have my word. She goes, Better not, I'll sue you. Third day, she walks by the pet store and the parrot sees her and says, Hey, lady. Lady says, What? The parrot looks at her, looks to the left, looks to the right, <laughs> looks, at her, looks at the lady and says, You know. <laughs> Now, she knew who she was in Christ. She wouldn't let that parrot bother her. And now, now I'm going to continue this series, like I said a couple weeks ago, at Encounter, which, by the way, resumes September 22nd. So we're off till September 22nd, but uh, we're going to continue on, teach on Encounter, teach on identity all fall. But whenever I do a series on Encounter, I watch a few movies that remind me about identity, and one of them is Jason Bourne. I'm a big Jason Bourne fan, and all in every single one of those movies, Jason Bourne, Matt Damon, has no idea who he is. He's got amnesia. has no idea. He's trying to, he's trying to figure out who he really is. And this, in the latest movie of the Bourne identity, Tommy Lee Jones looks at him and s- says this to him. He says, you're never going to find any peace until you admit to yourself who you really are. Wow. What an identity statement. And you know what? Fact is, is that most of us have spiritual amnesia walking around not knowing who we really are in Christ. And now imagine if that were you. Something traumatic happens in your life and you wake up, you have no identity, no past, no present, no friends, no connections. Your entire identity has been erased. That'd be a scary thing, wouldn't it? To have no recollection and identity of who you are. But that's exactly what Satan's trying to do to your identity. He's trying to rob it, compromise it, distort it, confuse it. Ultimately, he's trying to erase it. Now, speaking of movies, another movie that I watched to get ready for an identity series is Denzel Washington movie, Deja Vu. I've watched it again, all over again, Deja Vu, again and again. It's an action suspense thriller that keeps you on the edge of your seat from start to finish. And there's this great line that Denzel 
and the co-star, Paula Patton, say to each other two separate times in the movie. And the line is this. What if you had to tell someone the most important thing in the world, but you knew that they would never believe you? And their response was, I would try, because you never know what someone may believe. And this morning, I'm going to tell you one of the most important things that you'll ever hear, yet it's so simple, yet profound. And what's sad to me is that most Christians never believe it. But I'm going to try, because you never know what someone just may believe. See, the last thing the enemy wants you to do is to see yourself as God sees you. And to call yourself in the identity and titles he has declared over your life. Because if you really believe what God says about you, chances are you might just start living that way. For example, if you really believe you were forgiven, you would not walk around with shame and guilt. If you really believe you're accepted by God, you wouldn't look for acceptance from other people. If you really believe you are secure, you wouldn't, in Christ, you wouldn't be so consumed with the things of this world. If you really believe that you are significant in Christ, you would live your life with confidence and not give in to codependent behaviors. If you really believe that God calls you holy, redeemed, sanctified, perfect, justified, his friend, highly loved, highly favored, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, complete, free from condemnation, the object of his affection, a saint, his daughter, a king's kid. If you actually believe that, you would actually start living that way. Amen. Now, when it comes to this topic of identity in the movies, look no further than Forrest Gump. Forrest is sitting on a bench, the whole movie telling, talking to anyone who would listen to him. Now, there's a significant scene when his mother was dying and Forrest said, Mama, what's my destiny? That's a bad Forrest Gump accent. She told him, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know which one you're going to get. You know, the entire movie has Forrest running, literally the whole, the whole movie, running and running. One of the things I love about his character is that he never tried to be anyone but Forrest. And because he was so comfortable being himself, he accomplished great things. I mean, look at all the things that he accomplished. He became a war hero, running back for Alabama. Uh, he taught Elvis how to dance. He was a ping pong champion. Started the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company. Just to name a few of his <laughs> accomplishments. Forrest spoke a little slow and was a simple-minded genius that did great things despite his shortcomings. Here's the problem. It's fiction. The whole movie's fiction. But for generations, people have struggled with their identities. It's that something we can never put our finger on. The one thing that keeps us on the journey, always looking for it. And here it is. Who am I? What's my purpose in life? What's my destiny? Study the Bible. And you'll discover people doing miraculous things when they believed what God said about himself and what God said about them. And like many of us, when they lost sight of who the great I am is and what he can do, they lost sight of who they were and what the great I am said that they can do. And the Bible is a book of, telling, of God telling people who he is and who they are. And what their destiny is from Genesis to Revelation. Forrest Gump said this. 
I don't know if we all have a destiny or we're all just floating around accidental-like on a breeze. I think if we were all honest, we've all felt like that at times, haven't we? But when we've had a sense of who we really are, life was good. But when we doubted who we are, life got a little shaky. At COS, one of the reasons why I love this church is that we believe that amazing things happen when you experience the presence of God. That's why we say lives are being transformed in the presence of God. And when you have a real encounter with God, I mean a real encounter, and get in his presence, it'll shake the the foundation of your view of God and your view of yourself in relationship to a holy God. Now, I'm not sure if there's a better example of this than the story in life of Moses. If you fast forward to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, Moses makes the hall of faith chapter with this statement. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right there is an identity statement. And he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You know, when I read that scripture, it always reminds me to just be yourself. Don't try and be someone else. God made you for a purpose and a specific plan just for you. You're God's workmanship. God had, only you can be you. You know, I'm 63. There's nobody like me, and I'm grateful. I don't want to be like anybody else. I want to be just who God created me to be. And God created you. There's no one like you. And no one can do what you can do or what God's called you to do. And God has a unique plan just for your life. And again, no one can be you except you. Moses had to deal with this at the very beginning of his life. In Egypt, the baby Jewish boys were condemned to die, so his mother, most of you know the story, put him in a little boat in the Nile River. The daughter of Pharaoh took Moses into the palace, and she raised him as her own. Moses, through no fault of his own, had an identity crisis, just like many of us. He was born Jewish, but he was raised Egyptian. And he had to ask himself at some point in his life, who am I? Moses finds himself in a major crossroad that would affect the rest of his life. If he said, I'm an Egyptian and faked his heritage, he would be rich, powerful, and famous. If he said what he really was, Jewish, he'd be humiliated, kicked out of the palace, sent to live with a bunch of slaves for the rest of his life. Yet Moses saw his his people being badly mistreated. And he couldn't be silent because he was a man of character and therefore made a decision that cost him the next 80 years of his life. Moses cut himself off from a promising career as an Egyptian, and he refused to live a lie. Instead, he wanted to do what God made him to do, what God called him to do, and be the person that God called him to be. You know, there's something liberating about just being yourself, being comfortable in your own skin, because The world is full of fakes and phonies, of people who have no idea who they are. We pose, we posture, we position ourselves as wanting and always wanting other people to see the best side of us. 
I mean, I certainly never introduced myself to people, hi, my name is Bill. I'm insecure. I've got a lot of addictions and strongholds, and I've got a lot of fear in my life. How are you doing? I never did that. Because Moses realized who he was, it got him in trouble. One day he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew, and he killed the Egyptian. He thought nobody saw him, but he was wrong. People knew about the news, and it was spreading fast. Fear comes over Moses, and he starts running as word gets around, and it gets to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh puts out a contract out on his life. And while Moses is running away, he finds seven girls. It's an amazing story. And he rescues them from some bad dudes. The father of the girls invites Moses to dinner, and Moses agrees to be on the first episode of The Bachelor. This stuff is in the Bible. You've got to read it. It's in Exodus right after. I mean, I'm just, I'm just narrating as I can do for the sake of time is all I'm doing. I don't know how the six other girls got eliminated, but Zipporah wins the prize of being his wife. She gives birth to a son, and life is good. While all this is going on, God is hearing the cries of the Jewish people in slavery, and he puts a plan in place to rescue them. God appears to Moses. You know the story. He appears to him in a burning bush. And basically, he says, I'm sending you, Moses, to go rescue all my people. You, Moses, you're going to do it. Moses freaks out. God and Moses have an epic conversation with one of the most powerful identity statements declared in the Bible. Let's pick it up on Exodus chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. Thank you for bringing your Bibles as well. Here's what it says. But Moses said to God, who am I? Let's just stop right there. Who am I? Moses, that's the first response. When, Moses, when God tells Moses, I'm going to send you to go rescue my people. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, it's a critical response, I'll be with you. No worry, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses then says to God, suppose... Now, here's what the word suppose means. It means great idea, God, but obviously you got the wrong guy. You must have made a mistake. So I'm just going to throw a bunch of fear-filled, doubt-filled scenarios that don't reflect who you are and obviously don't reflect who you say I am. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? I find this amazing. Notice how Moses first questions his own identity when he said, who am I? Then he questions God's identity when he asks for clarification of who's sending him. Now, I believe that of all the questions ever posed of who God is, this is God's greatest answer to who he is in the entire Bible. And this is what God says back to Moses. I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. That's who I am. I am. Wow. It's one of the greatest statements and biblical 
facts of life that the great I am loves us, that the great I am is God. And that's who we're talking about here. And Moses misses the whole point and magnitude of telling people that the God of the universe is the great I am. At that, at that point, Moses should have just said, thank you, God, for clarifying that you are the great I am. I obviously am not. And please forgive me for even doubting and balking on anything that you're asking me to do. Well, that doesn't happen. Moses presents one objection after the other, testing the patience of God. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. What if they don't believe me? Suppose this, suppose that. Moses said, I'm not a good speaker. As a matter of fact, I have a speaking issue. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Sounds like Forrest Gump, doesn't it? (laughs) Now you see the correlation. God, why don't you love me? So he gives God all these excuses and God answers him by reminding him that God created the mouth and the ability to speak. This is an epic conversation. And God tells him in Exodus 4.12, Now go. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. First God says, I'll be with you. Then he says, I'm going to give you the words to say. You don't have to do anything but just say yes. And that's the problem with a lot of us. We're in a desperate situation. We need God. And we need God to speak to us about certain situations. I don't know if you realize this, but most of the time, whenever God speaks to you in a certain situation, it's always with this response. I love you. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Nothing could ever separate you from my love ever. And whatever I've called you to do, I'll give you the ability to do or say what I've called and asked you to do in any situation. In life, that promise that God made to Moses back then is available and still is for today. That if God has told you to do something, he'll make it happen and he'll give you the ability. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability and your trust and confidence in God just to say yes when God calls you to do something. Then the real objection from Moses comes, and and this took plenty of guts. Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Look at the very next scripture. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And what became clear to me as I was studying this passage is that Moses completely overlooked the power and magnitude of God declaring his identity when he said, I am who I am. And this is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. Who I am is all Moses needed here to get his marching orders. You see, but Moses didn't see himself how God saw him. And because of that, Moses had doubts. You want fear and doubt to ruin your life? Question who God says he is and question who he says you are. Friends, the great I am has spoken. And when you get to know the great I am in a personal way, it won't be long before you can start saying, I am who I am because the great I am said I am. Amen? 
Now, when we launched the ministry of Encounter, I got to tell you, I'm not saying I experienced a burning bush on fire, but I encountered God. I had a holy time and season with God as if he was right here instilling these anchors of hope and gave us a curriculum and an entire ministry of encounter. Uh, and he, his voice was as loud as I've ever heard his voice. And what God was really revealing to me was the simple yet powerful statement of who he is in all 12 anchors of hope that we teach at encounter. To be specific, God wanted me to know that the great I am is in all 12 anchors of hope that we teach at encounter. For example, anchor one, decide to get well from my problems and brokenness by declaring that God is the great I am and I am not. Friends, that's a great prayer to pray. If you're struggling, here's a great prayer to pray. God, you're God and I'm not. God, you're God and I'm not. Because if we don't declare that he's God... So a lot of times we're trying to be God and play God, and we stink at playing God. And if you're playing God, you're going to try and do something or accomplish something that's already been finished and paid in full on the cross, and you'll wear yourself out trying to do something that's already been done, and you can't do it, and it's called playing God. And that's anchor one. Anchor two, the great I am loves me, and the great I am can restore hope and healing. Amen? Anchor three, respond to the love of the great I am by surrendering my life and will to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Anchor four, the great I am has sent the Holy Spirit to be my help, guide, and source of strength to to accomplish the great I am's plans for my life. Anchor five, I am who I am because the great I am said I am green eggs and ham. (laughs) Anchor, Anchor six, I am not my past because the great I am made my past my past. By revealing and ripping out the root issues of my life. Anchor seven, I am a disciple. And I'm not going to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind by getting to know the great I am better. Anchor eight, choose the freedom of forgiveness to experience the healing peace of the great I am. Anchor nine, the great I am has written a book, the Bible, that is the authority over my life that teaches me everything I need to know about the great I am. Anchor 10, commit to a daily prayer life so I can grow my relationship with the great I am. Anchor 11, I get dressed. This is what we're talking about this morning. I get dressed daily for battle in my new identity because the great I am has given me power to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and pull down strongholds. Anchor 12, the great I am has commissioned me to go and always be prepared to give an account of the hope I now have. And if anyone should ask who has sent you, I am to tell them that I am has sent me, period. Those are the 12 anchors of hope that we teach at Encounter. See, the answer has always been, will always be, I am. Now, a couple weeks ago, we kicked off this series, and we talked about how there's a spiritual war going on over your identity. It's been under attack. It'll always remain under attack. One of the things I said is one of the the tragedies that I see is many Christians will spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody they already are when they can realize and know and believe by faith that they are who they are, who Christ says they are, who God says they are, and what their identity is, 
in Christ. You don't have to spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody you already are. The other problem I see for many is they never realize, and I see this for a lot of Christians, is they don't realize the authority that they have in Christ. Why? Because they don't know their position in Christ. And they don't know their position in Christ because they don't know their identity in Christ. All three are intertwined. Identity, position, and authority. Now, I'm not talking about position and authority over people. I'm talking about your position and authority in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual world, where we have to do battle, and the battlefield for your mind, and what's going on around you. See, I'm talking about power, dominion, and authority over this dark world and spiritual forces of evil that come against you, that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and all the things that Paul was talking about in Ephesians. You see, here's the deal. When you know your identity in Christ, you can get up every day. You can, you can declare this. I'm a kingdom representative. I, I don't live for this world. I'm a kingdom representative living for the kingdom of God on a kingdom assignment operating under kingdom jurisdiction, exacting kingdom judgment on principalities and powers that come against me, my family, my church, my community, and anyone else that opposes the plan of God for my life. Because in my identity, God has told me I can bind and loose anything on earth to be bound and loosed in heaven. So I can bind the forces of evil. I can bind Satan. I can bind the devil. I can loose the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God, ministering and warring angels. I can, I can loose the blood on people. I can loose the power of God on people and I can take back ground what the enemy has stolen in my life because of who I am in Christ. That's how we have to wake up every day. That's what we're going to... Listen, we have to get some fight in us. We can't let the enemy... Just steal our children, steal our families, wreak havoc on our spouses, wreak havoc on our finances, on our health. We have to take back ground that's rightfully ours. And we do that by understanding who we are, getting dressed in that identity, and operating under kingdom jurisdiction. Amen? Pretty good. All right. So let's do a quick recap, and then we'll, then we'll see where God leads us this morning. We talked about 10 identity statements that we need to declare over our lives. And I want to run through them real quick with you that remind us who we really are. And the first one is, in Christ, my identity is I'm dead. I don't mean you're dead. You're dead to your old life. You crucified your old life. When you come to Jesus, you can't just incorporate him into your life. You can't just ask him to come alongside you. You have to die to your old life. You got to go all in is what we talked about. The Apostle Paul said, my old self has been crucified. It's not, it's not just walking with you. It's crucifying your old life with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Our only natural response is to crucify anything in the flesh, anything in our old life, our past, our old nature, our mind, our sins, our shame, our guilt, our pain, our addictions, our anger, our lust, our codependency, our broken relationships, bitterness, unforgiveness, our old identity, our fears, our doubts, our wisdom, our knowledge, our own plans. We crucify all those things and believe by faith 
that all those things were nailed and buried and the only thing that came back to life is the life of Christ in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we're raised from the dead, we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Voila, you are it. That's it. We have to die to ourselves every day. The second one is this. I'm a house of prayer. In Christ, my identity is I am prayer. First Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? And Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. You can't look at a temple being a building or a church. Anytime the church is referenced, God and the Bible is talking about you. You are a house of prayer. God is building you up. You are a spiritual house of prayer. And Jesus said, if you are called the temple of God and the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are prayer. You are a house of prayer. These other identity statements that we talked about is I'm accepted, secure, significant, forgiven. That's so big. I'm an ambassador for Christ, minister of reconciliation, which means you, you live your life so deeply committed to Jesus that others in your sphere of influence will want to be reconciled to God. Number eight, you're a child of God. Think about that. Yet to those who believed and received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. John 1.12, 1 John 1.3, 1, the next one, I'm loved by God. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And number 10, I am free. I'm free. I love that. And these three identities, I'm dead, I'm a house of prayer, and I'm free, always need to be intertwined along with the others. But these three are the ones I want to focus on for the rest of the talk. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 6.6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. You're free. Period. When you die, when your identity is I'm dead, and everything, all your victories are, are, are always won in the atmosphere of prayer. So when we wake up every day and pray to die to ourselves so we can walk in freedom and remind ourselves of who we are, and whose we are, and because of that fact, we can declare every day, I am free. You're free. You see, I'm a free person, set free from the bondage of sin, shame, lies, my past, my guilt, my regrets, my doubts, my fears, my insecurities, my, my character defects, all the lies and tactics of the enemy and anything or anyone that opposes the truth of who I am in Christ. I'm free from my addictions. I'm free from my strongholds. I'm free from my pain, from all my failures and mistakes. I'm free from it. I'm free from the devil. I'm free from my old self, from death to grave. I'm free from temptation. I'm free from the lies I once believed. I'm free from trauma, from the tricks, schemes, and strategies. I'm free from drugs, alcohol, pornography, Cutting, self-harm, anxiety, fear, worry, physical abuse, verbal abuse, spiritual abuse, unforgiveness, rage, generational things passed down to me, and any principality of power that comes against me, I am free. And you are too. I'm free from myself. 
I'm free from religion. My word. I'm free from self-help, which never works. I'm free because the son, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You see, I have to remind myself that my identity in Christ declares that I am free. Therefore, I'm walking as a free person every day. In Christ, I died to my old life. I'm made new. In Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But in Christ, and here it is, I get dressed for battle. I think this is where we miss it. I want to help you this morning. I have to get dressed for battle only in my identity in Christ. You see, I can't get dressed for battle unless I know who I am in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, the armor is not going to do you any good. Not going to do you any good at all. See, but when I remind myself of who I am and whose I am and see myself as God sees me, then I can get dressed for battle trusting in the one who's great, trusting in the one who lives in me that's greater than he that lives in this world. See, I get dressed in my new identity. I activate the mind of Christ in my new identity. I, I put on Christ in my new identity. See, I put on the belt of truth around my waist in my identity, the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because I'm called the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I put on the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I say this all the time. For every self-defeating thing that you'll ever do is a lie that you believe. And so you have to be able to put on the shield of faith And God will give you the discernment to know where those lies are coming from so you can take that thought captive and walk in victory. I have to put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I have to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And because I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said my house will be called the house of prayer. And since my identity is I am a house of prayer, I can pray alongside and with the Holy Spirit who is praying not only for me, but he's praying the perfect will of the Father for me. That's the opportunity that I have each and every day. See, your identity is you are a holy spiritual house of prayer. And if we pray anything according to the will of the Father, we have what we ask I love this prayer promise in 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. What a great promise. And this is how you win the battle over your identity. All spiritual battles are won by realizing who you are in Christ, affirming that truth, in the posture of prayer. One last scripture I want to share with you. You're going to get out of here early today. Not, maybe. (laughs) You are. I am has not spoken. I have spoken. As you come to him, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10 says this. I love, this, I love this passage. As you come to him, the living stone. Who's the living stone? Jesus. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. 
I just want that to sink in for a second. Chosen by God. Precious to him. Which means you are. That's how God sees you. You're chosen by God and you're precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. There you are, your spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, Jesus, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Have you put your trust in Jesus? I mean, I'm not asking you if you've accepted Jesus, said a prayer. I'm asking, have you really put all your trust? Not 70% of your trust, not 80% of your trust. Have you put 100% of all your trust in Jesus? Have you surrendered and died to your old life? And are you a walking new creation in Christ? Have you, have you really trusted Jesus? This morning you're going to have an opportunity to really make that declaration maybe for the first time in your life. Because those who put their trust in Jesus will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. That's why a lot of you keep falling. So many people I, I minister to, they go back to their old life, their old patterns, their old ways. But today's a morning about going all in because God went all in when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And here's how, here's how the scripture ends with these incredible identity statements. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous and wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mm. Notice all the you are scriptures. I said this a couple weeks ago. Whenever, whenever you see a scripture prefaced by a you are statement, your identity is getting revealed. And it's your responsibility to believe it and then live it out by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. It's not up to you to, to have the ability to live it out. It's up to you to just believe it. And then God will give you the grace and power to live it out. Notice how this passage reminds us of our old identity when it references the truth of once we were not people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we are the people of God. Because we have received mercy, our our identity in Christ is that we are a child of God and we are forgiven. Just take a moment and declare 
out loud this statement with me, with conviction, please. I am a child of God, and I am forgiven, and that is who I am. See, the remedy is this. Believe who God says he is, and he can do what he says he can do, and believe I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? You sure? I'm gonna, we're going to take a test this morning. You ready? Well, say this after me. My name is child of the one true king. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm accepted. I'm secure. I'm significant. I'm a citizen of heaven, not of this world. I'm a kingdom representative on a kingdom assignment based on who I am in Christ for the time I have in this world. I'm a free person, set free from the bondage of sin, shame, lies, my past, my guilt, my regrets, my doubts, fears, insecurities, character defects, lies, and tactics of the enemy, and anything or anyone else that opposes the truth of who I am in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, dead and buried. I've been raised from the dead, spiritually, because I'm a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. I'm spirit-filled, spirit-minded, spirit-guided, temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm seated with God. I'm an heir to the throne. I'm an ambassador of reconciliation. I'm a royal priesthood and a called priest unto my God. Operating under the anointing and calling of the Holy Spirit. In Christ, I am a personally handcrafted masterpiece by God for his pleasure to be used for his purposes. In Christ, I am secure in my calling, in my destiny, in my destination, in my trials, in my failures, and in my victories. In Christ, I'm a blood-bought, blood-washed, blood-sanctified, blood-marked soldier for the king that no weapon formed against me will prosper. In Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In Christ, I am who God says I am because the great I am said I am and that settles the issue no one can argue with me on these facts no one can dispute them they are indisputable no one can change my mind because I now have the mind of Christ in Christ I am not the great I am but I am all these things in Christ because my daddy in heaven 
Said I am. Nobody messes with my daddy. Amen. Amen. Before I pray, worship team's coming out. Hope, come on up. My dear sister, Hope has a word for you. So earlier during worship, I felt like the Lord showed me a couple pictures. And the first thing I saw was a family gathering to take a family photo. And there was a, there was a dark spot. And it wasn't that someone has been blotted out. It was that someone was missing. And then I saw a picture of a family dining room table. And the family was gathered for dinner. And there was an empty chair, but there was a place set And what I felt like the Lord put on my heart was that there's somebody here who's been running. And you you know the Lord, but you've been running. And maybe you've listened to Bill this morning, you've listened to these messages, and you've listened to all these truths, and you thought, you know, that's good for, for all these church people here who've been doing what they're supposed to be doing. But you don't know where I've been, and you don't know what I've been doing. And I feel like what God wants you to know today is his heart that maybe you've been running, but that he has continued every day to set a place for you. And when the family has gathered, you have been missed. And his heart for you is come home. Come home. The Father's heart for you is that you would come home. And it is for you. It is for you. He has lavished his love on you. And you are a child of God. So the Father's heart today is come home. Thank you, Hope. Thank you, Hope. If you need to come home, give your life to Jesus. Recommit your life to Jesus. That was you. If you heard your name spoken at any part of the service, this morning is all about coming home. Getting your identity restored reinstated if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you want to come home and you want to surrender it all you heard the promise you'll never be put to shame and as my sister Hope said there's a place for you at the table you're missed by your creator because he loves you all the heads bow down I'm going to pray a prayer asking you to come home and give your life to Jesus. And if you would be so bold because Jesus died publicly, say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want my identity reinstated. I want to surrender it all. Would you raise your hand as I pray this prayer? Thank you. Thank you. Pray this with me. Jesus, forgive me. I've strayed from your word, from your truth. I repent of my sins and I turn to you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I want everything about my life, my past, my sin, my shame to be crucified 
I want to be born again. I want to be that new creation that I heard about. I want to be forgiven. I want to be a child of God. And I want my name written in, in heaven's book. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for receiving me as I pray this prayer of faith that I believe in my heart. Thank you for calling me something different than who I call myself. Thank you that today I can call myself a child of God, forgiven, and a king's kid. In Jesus' name, amen. The prayer team will be here to pray for you. Whatever business you need to do with God, please come forward. The worship team has an incredible last song. Let's worship. A few weeks ago, Pastor Bill did part one of the sermon. Um, and I couldn't get like First Peter 2 out of my head. So I went home and I reread the different translations um, of that whole scripture. And the song that we're about to do is what came out of that. It's going to be a little different because you've never heard this song before. Um, so I encourage you to sit, stand, come to the altar, whatever you feel you need to do. But I want to challenge everyone to just focus on posturing your heart um, in true worship. So you might not be outwardly singing because this is a new song, but just really focus our inward self, our spirit. And this is called Something Greater, and it comes out of First Peter 2. Present myself 
this morning tell you a quick story close out about 20 or so years ago a student actually a class at Dunbar High School in Lexington was told they were given a homework assignment to write a paper on their philosophy of life they were given specific instructions not to mention anything about God go figure so this one female student turned in her paper, and in the papers, she started talking. She goes, I don't understand people. She goes, they, they want something, and then they get it, then they want something else, and they want this. And she basically said, people are floating around accidental like on a breeze. She goes, I don't want my life floating around accidental like on a breeze. 
because I've given my life to Jesus and I'm a child of God and that's my whole philosophy I want to live for him and him alone so she turns in that paper declaring that she's a child of God declaring that she knows her identity in Christ disobeying all instructions saying I'm not going to don't tell me I'm not going to mention anything about God well that little girl is my daughter I think she gets it from her daddy God we thank you that even a child can understand who we are in Christ and this is a message for everyone we're loved we're accepted secure, significant we're dead to our old life we are a house of prayer and we are free. Thank you that you call us something different than who we call ourselves. Thank you that you always have a better title for us than we have for ourselves. And thank you for seeing us through your eyes. And I pray as we walk out of here this morning, we'll see ourselves as you see us. We'll believe it and we'll live it out and we'll walk in freedom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Whatever business you need to do with God, please come forward. The prayer team will be honored to pray with you. I want to spend time in God's presence. Please leave quietly to pick up your children. Thank you for worshiping with us today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.